Happy Hump Day. Welcome back to Looking Backwards, Looking Forwards. I'm C. Thomas Printer. I'm here with Austerity Jones. Happy Wednesday, C. Thomas. Today, let's start with Elizabeth Holmes. Would you like? She is convicted with 11 years of prison. And let's remind our listeners that she was on top of the world in 2014 as she claimed that she founded a breakthrough technology in diagnostics. She was named the youngest self-made female billionaire. But now the court has ruled that she committed fraud. Well, I think the most important thing you just said was she claimed. That seems to be happening quite a bit recently, right? So she claimed Mm -hmm. to have a blood technology that would tell you everything you need to know about yourself. And everybody lined up to sign up for her service. And she had all kinds of fancy investors that just couldn't wait to invest in this female billionaire. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It sounds just like the crypto thing that's going down with Sam Bankman-Fried. He claimed to do something. Someone else claimed to do something. What we have here is another example of everybody wants to have FOMO, the fear of missing out. Oh my gosh, this is going to change the world. What it's going to change is people need to stop just putting their money in something without doing their due diligence. That's what needs to change. And so when these people come through with all of these things, you're just going to have to let it be and, and miss out Otherwise, you could be a victim of fraud, and that's what she is. That's what the entire crypto thing is facing right now. And believe me, before this entire stock market sell-off is over, there's going to be a lot of other people that are facing fraud because we know there's a certain automaker out there that claimed to have self-driving cars five years ago, and now he's (laughs) about to get sued, and I don't even want to open up that can of worms, but these are all I claim, she claim, we claim. Right. Let's go to U.S. elections. The picture looks clearer than last week. The Republicans now have the U.S. House majority. And we also heard from Trump last week. He announced that he is running in 2024. I want to ask you, how does all this affect global politics in the midst of energy crisis, the war in Europe, and uh, quite a few other tensions in all over the world. I think there's a couple different ways we can break this down. The Republicans having the House majority, and it looks like the Democrats are going to continue to have the Senate. That kind of puts gridlock in terms Mm -hmm. of government and particular government spending. I think it's going to be a lot harder for us to spend money and send it to Ukraine. I think it's going to be a lot harder for us to spend money and do a lot of things because the Republicans are now going to just block, you know, Biden's policies and things like that, which is good from an inflation perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Trump trying to run and win is going to be very difficult. I think there will probably be a contender, probably DeSantis, possibly DeSantis, um, but he is the really the only person I could think of that could really take on Trump and have a chance to win. Um, the problem I have with that is if Trump runs and DeSantis isn't in there, he just lost to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden couldn't find an egg on an Easter egg hunt right now. Like he <laughs> lost to Biden. So why are we running this guy again if we want to have an alternative to Biden? And that's, you know, in a two-party system that we have, that's about it. So it's very concerning. But from a geopolitical standpoint, 
Trump is definitely not who China and Russia want to see getting into office because he will have no qualms about having a lot more authoritative response to them. I think if they think that the deck is cleared and it's going to be Trump versus whoever the Democrats run, I think the Republicans have an okay chance against that. But I mean, not a great chance. I just think it'll move up the timelines. If China was going to go into Taiwan, they probably have two years to do it. That's probably what they're thinking. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen (laughs) fairly soon. I think the Trump thing might be overblown, to be perfectly honest with you, because I just think that there will be so much pushback. He will poll poorly, whether it's the Roe versus Wade argument or the fact that he already went, lost to Joe Biden. I'm not sure that's the guy that can run him and win. Hmm. Well, uh, he's back on Twitter. That will help. He will get more (laughs) popular again. Yeah, unless he gets banned again, which I know what's going on with Twitter. It's a whole other debacle. It's, It's a really whole another story. Disney once again swaps of bobs <laughs> and would you like to comment on this or do you want to Iger's move on back. To energy Iger's <laughs> back and he's back and uh what is it chapek is that how you pronounce his name he's out you know Chapek, um, yes he's uh, you know i think what you're seeing there and i saw a particular piece of this uh that i found interesting is everybody is in such great demand to focus on subscribers on these Disney Plus mm-hmm. versus Netflix versus everything else. Mm-hmm. That particular enterprise is losing billions. And everyone's chasing subscribers when really we seem to have forgot companies are not interested in subscribers, only market mm-hmm. participants in the stock market. What we really need to be focused on with 6 and 7%, 8% inflation and higher interest rates is profit. And that thing is not turning a profit. I don't care how many times you can watch Bambi on that site. It's not making a profit yet, right? And so you can advance that all you want, but ultimately that company exists to make money. And that's where Iger did a very good job historically. And I think you need to get back to the roots. And I think he's got to go in there and he's going to have to do the same thing that Meta did when um, Zuckerberg came out and said, we're going to cut costs. Sorry, I was wrong. I'm still doing my metaverse because I have a lot of money in the bank, but we need to cut costs. And you're seeing that become not just a trickle, but a torrent right now across all these companies. Everybody's talking about cutting costs right now, whether it's layoffs in the automotive industry, whether it's layoffs in tech, whether it's Disney, they've got to figure out how to get profitable and they need to you know, start cutting costs on things that are unprofitable like that. So speaking of cutting costs, what do you think, uh, what kind of prices we will have, C. Thomas, on oil when U.S. applies cap on Russian oil prices? Well, that's coming up very soon, and it's going to have an effect, I think, but I don't know where it's going to all be felt first. Um, they say, you know, that they're going to put a cap on this. And then part of the follow-up is they're going to not allow ships that are insured by American or European companies, which is basically going to put a whole bunch of this stuff that's, you know, not going to be allowed to be shipped here because this boat is now going to be part of the sanctions. 
And that's going to have a considerable impact on literally the distribution of oil around the world. So the only thing I can see, and this is weird because oil was down considerably this, this week, primarily due to China's demand and they're not reopening or they are reopening or they're not reopening. So you have China demand putting a, the kibosh on oil a little bit, but then you have the floor of OPEC plus, you have the US, which is going to be releasing any more of the strategic petroleum reserves, and then you have a cap on, on Russia. So you have these two forces that are pushing in different directions. And so I don't have a good feel on what oil prices are going to do right now, because I think we have to see what happens. I think if China opens up, OPEC plus says, oh my gosh, we have real issues with the supply. And then we are taking oil off the market in the United States. I think you could have a huge explosion in oil prices. And that would totally screw up all of their declining inflation plans. That's a really, really dangerous situation. And I think the person that holds all the cards here is Xi Jinping. Because if he says mm-hmm. COVID zero is over, we're going to open up and we're going to start buying oil and using a whole bunch of oil. And then you have supply constraints and then you have all these other issues. Oil could get out of hand really, really quickly. Mm. And this inflation could take off again. Mm. Well, Now I am uh, concerned. (laughs) Okay. And uh, today we will see Fed releasing the meeting minutes uh, of their latest policy meeting. And uh, this could give us clues as to how far Fed is willing to raise interest rates in order to tame the inflation, obviously. What do you think? I think that the market is not prepared for how high the Fed thinks it can go. And let me explain. If you'd have told me seven months ago that we'd be at 4% with a planned 50% cut coming up next month and that nothing had broken, I would have said hogwash. No chance. Instead, (laughs) we are literally having Fed governors come out and say, we're looking maybe even at a higher range of 5 to 7%. Now, we know that these rate hikes have a slow and predictable lag, but we are really, really going for it, and we're going quite high. And I think the, one of the reasons is, is this stock market just keeps going up. This unemployment situation keeps staying low, and we're not having layoffs be felt nearly as much as everyone thought they would. And what's going to happen is, is this is going to take this Fed rate really, really high. And if that's the case, when the effects of that do get felt, I think they're going to be really extreme. Like this is how you break something. You take this up higher and higher. and Hey, everything's good. Everything's good. Well, all of a sudden, then you're just going to be hit with wave after wave after wave of issues, right? Where people can't get refinancing, the credit market sees up, something's going to break, and the Fed seems determined to keep going until they do so. The question is, is it going to be at five, is it six, or is it seven or higher? The good news is inflation usually gets broken when the rate that they're raising goes above the inflation rate, or like they talk, the PCE price. That's their goal. Well, that all works as long as, like we just discussed a minute ago, oil doesn't take off again. Because if oil Mm -hmm. takes off again, then they're going to be chasing again, and then we have another Mm -hmm. problem. So a lot of it depends on oil because it's such a driver of everything. 
that, you know, I think if oil stays where it's at, mid-70s, 80 on mm-hmm. Brent, and we're able to stay here for a while, the Fed could go a little bit higher, and we can start to ease on this inflation. The problem is, is this world's not staying constant very fast anywhere. Everything's changing quite quickly. Right. We will watch. Speaking of watching, I think we all watched, for example, Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. Let's come to talk about the World Cup. It's a very interesting World Cup with a lot of different topics being discussed. Boy, everybody is dying to get out there and they're going to pitch their cause and the Iranian people aren't or the players aren't singing. And now the Iranian media says that's why they lost because they were trying to support the women of Iran. And that's their, their little social thing that they're doing. And then over in the European countries, we're going to wear a rainbow armband. And then they <laughs> said, well, if you do that. We're going to give you a yellow card to all the captains. And then they backed off and everybody wants to get out there with their little social cause in front of the big world stage and woo woo, go, go. And it's like, what the hell is going on here, folks? I thought we were playing a sporting event, right? So, I mean, you think of a sporting event, you think of a whole bunch of fans showing up and drinking beer and Oh, wait, they can't do that either in Qatar. So they have this entire thing, knowing you're going to have crazy drunk fans coming from all over the world to support their teams. And then two days before it starts, they come out and say, nope, we will not serve any of the alcohol at the stadiums. Our big sponsor, Budweiser, will not be able to sell any beer. So Budweiser turned around and said, well, the winning team is going to get all of the beer that we were going to sell at the stadiums. So if there has not been an incentive enough to win the World Cup, there is now, because that's going to lead to the biggest damn party you've ever seen. <laughs> correct, correct. We will see who gets the beer. <laughs> thank you very much for all the comments, C. Thomas. And as usual, thanks to our audience for tuning in. And if you like to read more on those news, go to our blog, cthomasprinter.com. Talk to you next week, C. Thomas. Austerity. Have a good week. And remember, drink your beer before you go watch soccer. (laughs) All right. I'll do that. (laughs) 